didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, diving into all the episodes of Stranger Things, starting with season one. We have now finished season one, and we're on to season two, which seems like it i mean i know it's only eight episodes but it flew by yeah so colin is here as usual with your summary for season two chapter one mad max the first chapter of stranger things 2 titled mad max debuted on netflix on october 27th 2017 it was written and directed by the duffer brothers and has a runtime of 48 minutes and 21 seconds Despite what the screen tells you, it's actually Monday, October 29th, 1984, not Sunday the 28th. More on that in a bit. We begin with a group of punks running out of a Pittsburgh building, hopping in a van and being chased by police. As they approach a tunnel, one of the punks, a young woman named Callie, balls her fists and makes the tunnel collapse behind them, blocking the cops. Or did she? Turns out it was just an illusion that only one cop could see. Callie wipes her bloody nose, and we see the number eight on her arm roll the opening credits. Our fearless foursome is hanging out at the arcade when they discover that someone called Mad Max has beaten Dustin's high score on Dig Dug and Centipede. Will, meanwhile, is distracted and wanders outside where he has an upside-down flashback and sees a blood-red sky and a nasty storm. The next day, Tuesday, October 30th, Hopper shows up for work and is greeted by Murray, who's hatching all kinds of Russian spy conspiracy theories. Hopper gets away, though, telling Murray he has to respond to Merrill's pumpkin patch, where he discovers that all the pumpkins are rotted and gross and fly-infested. As Nancy and Steve are reviewing his college essay in the school lot, up drives a bad boy-looking dude and a young red-headed girl in a car with California plates, while inside the school, Will finds the zombie boy note in his locker before heading to class. Once in class, Mr. Clark introduces the red-haired girl as Max. The boys put two and two together and realize that this must be Mad Max. Over at Melvold's, Joyce's new guy Bob interrupts her day for a little supply closet kissy face before telling her he's looking forward to movie night as long as it's nothing scary. Back at school, Max realizes the boys are stalking her, so she leaves them a note telling them to bug off, just as Joyce arrives to pick up Will for his appointment at the lab. Once there, Dr. Owens examines Will as they talk about the kid's recent visions and his favorite candy. Then the doc goes downstairs where we see a scientist taking a flamethrower to the now really big rift in the basement. Later that night, Nancy and Steve go to Barb's parents' house for a little KFC. The Hollands tell Nancy they're confident Barb will be coming home soon as they've sold their house to pay for a private investigator to track her down and that it's Murray from the earlier scene at the police station. Elsewhere, Mike is home, bummed out, missing L. Dustin is hearing things in his trash can, and Bob and the Byers fam watch Mr. Mom. Later, an alarm goes off at the lab, and then Will sees the storm again, along with a big, huge shadow monster. As Hopper heads home for the night, we see him pull up at a cabin in the woods. He knocks and is talking to someone when he enters. Turns out it's L, who's a little miffed Hopper is so late. They eat dinner first, and then dessert after. The end of chapter one how relieved were you when you see l i'm trying to remember you know so much of this is i I really want to go back and i know what what i really remember about this episode is being five minutes into it and wondering what show i'm watching 
Oh yeah. I mean, yes. which I mean, we will. I mean, yes. I mean, the graphics were there and they were in the kind of the stranger things font and everything, but finally with the nosebleed and the, and the, and even then I'm like, what is this? And Where am I? What is going on? But yes. yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Absolutely. I'm just going to go ahead and give this away my feelings on this from the very beginning, but I hate this Cali side plot. I hate it. Yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to when we get to the, the lost sister episode. Oh, yeah. Episode seven. <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. fine. Just skipping it. Yeah. Uh, so, but I remember watch. I do remember when I, when I did see L and I got the, I don't cry at all. Do you well, realize how many times in this podcast you've said, I don't cry at all, but I cried here. I mean, this no, is I like- feel like there was one other time. <laughs> But then after I said that, I was like, but I do cry at the end of season three and I tear up with happy tears. Or I did the first time I watched it when, right. when L comes out, because yeah. I just love seeing Hopper in this dad role. I love it. Yeah. So the last time we saw her, she was like dead, presumably in the well, classroom, having destroyed the monster. And yeah, we think and, she's and, just stuck in the upside down because right, she's and they both just getting and then Hopper was leaving the the mm-hmm. egos in the snow, which is clearly for her, but we don't know if she ever got them or why he was doing it. So, yeah. But and it's been I went back and looked. It was a year and three months and twelve days since season one ended before well, season know. two came around. A year and three months. I remember being mad yeah. because I was expecting it because you get used to shows coming out a year later. You get you get used to them being on a on a regular schedule, and Netflix just destroyed that yeah and here because, we sit two plus years since season three ended yeah well yeah and that but that's due to the covid pandemic so i mean they got it got pushed back right. and you know filming was delayed and all that but yeah i remember being mad that they weren't going to release it until it was i think it was the day before what'd you say the 29th uh 27th yeah it was right before Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. We were having my family, we were having a Halloween party that night and I was like, everyone was mad at me because I wouldn't help them decorate and get ready. I was like, I'm busy. <laughs> so let's get this dates thing out of the way first so we can, we can move yes. on from that. So it says Sunday, the 28th of October, 1984, but then that night uh, back in, you know, Hawkins, uh, it's still that day because on the TV, when Dustin's searching for quarters, it says a police chase in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, you know, and then the next yeah. day, everything else happens from, you know, going to the pumpkin patch to yeah. everything. And that night is movie night. And in um, Hopper, in uh, not Hopper, in um, Bob's video camera, it says the 30th. So we lost a day somewhere in there. And then also, not a spoiler, but the next episode picks up on Halloween, which is the next day. So it's the 31st. So somewhere along the way, a day got lost because somebody really... get the Duffer brothers on the phone. Yes. Colin's on it. I know. So it's really, <laughs> it opens on Monday, the 29th, not the 28th, not that it matters, but you know, just so you know. So, um, so yeah, we start in Pittsburgh, even though it's really Atlanta, they filmed it in Atlanta and then kind of superimposed the Pittsburgh skyline on it to make it look like Pittsburgh. And then we can, we can just move right on from that. And then we get to the whole quarter hunt and going to the arcade and stuff. And, and I just, I love the arcade. And I mean, it, it it's obviously my column moment this week when we get to it. Um, Cause I just lived for arcades and record oh, yeah. stores. It, I mean, it was, it was, it was my thing. And 
in the book, The World's Turned Upside Down, um, the Duffer brothers said that when they were discussing ways to open the world for Stranger Things 2, they immediately thought of hanging out in an arcade and production designer Chris Trujillo and his team found an old laundromat in Douglasville, Georgia, which is kind of suburb, kind of west of Atlanta, which they gutted and transformed into the Palace Arcade, which was, you know, inspired by the War Games Arcade, which was called the 20 Grand Palace. So that's where they kind of got the Palace um, arcade name. And Trujillo says the owner of the property was storing literally just junk in it. It looked like we walked into an episode of Hoarders, but we could see the potential. We were able to really take a blank canvas and just go for it without feeling restrained. And then set decorator Jess Royal says the roof was caving in. It was so much work to even get it cleared out and structurally sound. But there were subtle things about it that made it what we wanted it to be. The awning on the outside was original. The metal building, everything about it was really great. And it was. It was a great arcade. And they put great games in it. And We had an arcade in our mall growing up that was Aladdin's Castle. Sure. It's a... Have you yeah. never heard of it? It's, no, it's a chain. Ar- yeah, it's a chain. Yeah, yeah, it was a chain. And I can remember because my brother, he's six years older than me. And so when we'd go to the mall, he would, mom would give him money to stand in the arcade. And I would stand watching him play Dragon's Lair. And the only rule was I had to keep my hand because I was like five or six on the pocket of his jeans. Like that was how I had to like hold on to him <laughs> to make And so he could have both hands free to play, right. you yep. know, the game. And I was just like tethered to him with my hand, like (laughs) gripping like the side of his pocket. Despite the, and this is just third level nerd stuff. You can't enter six letters as an initial on a video game, like Dig Dug and stuff like that. You could only do three initials. Mm -hmm. So this whole Mad Max thing, they could have just said Max and left it at that. (laughs) But you know, so they, cause you couldn't do, you could only do three initials. And I remember Mm -hmm. when I was, going to the arcade i always used a lot of my friends just used their initials but i always used nxs like the the band in excess yeah yeah um because i was like a huge and still am a huge nxs fan so i always used nxs and that was my thing but i was sitting there watching i'm like you can't put six <laughs> initials wait in a there. second what is going on but anyway i digress um so we get keith the arcade attendant um having to deal with i really <laughs> enjoy keith to deal with these kids and the whole, I'm not going to prostitute my sister to <laughs> figure out <laughs> who got the high score. And, but they're all trying to figure out madly who, who Mad Max is. Um, it was great. It was just a great fun way to open the episode. So you know, once we got past this car chase nonsense in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So I do want to just mention dragon's Lair, and I know you will have to remember this too, but that game was the first game that, it felt like you were playing a cartoon, right? It right. felt like it was, you it was were... first in a lot of things. It was the first to cost more than a quarter. Yeah. Was, I knew was, that it was, it was 50 cents, 50 cents. Some places it was actually a dollar, but yeah, it was mostly most places it was 50 cents, but yeah, it, it used, um, it used a laser disc instead okay. of, instead of, you know, the graphics that traditional things, you know, like, um, you know, pole position or dig dug or those kind of places, those things we use, it was, it was spinning on a laser disc. So you're essentially watching, you know, a cartoon and it was uh, designed by Don Bluth who did, you know, American Tale. Yeah. And, and all dogs go to heaven yeah, and all that stuff. So, and it wasn't ever based on a movie, right? They never made a movie out of it. Did they? They made a, uh, a Saturday morning cartoon out of it. And then okay. they made, um, they made two, they made a sequel. And then they also made kind of a futuristic version. It was called space ace. 
but it was kind of the same idea. It just took place in mm-hmm. outer space. Um, but yeah, oh god, I love Dragon's Lair. It's still oh. probably still probably my all time favorite video game. For um, sure, it was just, it's just it was so fun to watch, and I can remember as a little sister who was never allowed to play. I never minded. Yeah, when he was playing Dragon's Lair because it was like watching a cartoon. Oh yeah, with Dirk the Daring and and the Princess Daphne. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, it was actually again third level nerd stuff here. Like a month ago, after I think I watched this episode, you know, kind of before before we started recording, I went back and watched the whole series again. And you can go on YouTube and watch the entire gameplay, you know, like from start mm-hmm. to finish. Yes. <laughs> it's just great. I just love it. I just sat and watched mm-hmm. it. It was it was awesome. So, um, but then we get the upside down flashback. So Will is back among the living. Seems to be a you know, at least somewhat functioning. And then he has this upside down flash um, outside. Which and- is Will actually going to the upside down, or is he just seeing it? Is he just like getting flashes of what's happening in well, the he's, upside down? He's not going through any kind of, he's not mm-hmm. like Nancy going through the tree. Yeah, I knew that. Anything. So I think it's just, I don't know if it's like teleporting in or. Yeah, I can't, if he's just seeing it. Like no, that's he's the, definitely, he's definitely in the upside down because if you look at the arcade, it's all creepy. And I just didn't know. I know obviously he's not going through a portal, right. but I was I, I think he's in it. Yeah. I think he's just kind of infected or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like and, somehow tied to it and kind of gets trans, yeah, transformed into transferred into it. Yeah, I just so. noticed this time around. I was curious as to whether you thought he was actually in it or just seeing it. You know, the, the Duffer brothers don't really explain it, it's just kind of what Will does. No. So, um, yeah. So the next day, Tuesday the 30th, because we were on Monday the 29th, uh, we wake up and we get the newspaper flopped down in front of us talking about Merrill's pumpkin patch and also baby Faye's baboon heart which was, I, I was 13. I remember this happening at the time. Um, little baby Faye was born with a really rare oh, heart yes. condition. Um, so they transplanted a baboon heart um, mm-hmm. into her. And that actually happened on October 26th, 1984. So timelines match up nicely. Uh, baby Faye lived for, I think, like 21 days or something like that. And then unfortunately passed away. But um, and then we also get the Terminator playing at the Hawk, which also checks out. So the Duffer brothers seem to be doing okay yeah. anachronistically now because the Terminator opened October 26th of 1984. So we got two things going on mm-hmm. that are actually that line up. Yeah, that line up. So that's good. Uh, and then we get to the police station with Murray waiting for Hopper um, and Hopper saying, you know, He'd love to have a date with Bo Derek, which also kind of checks out. She was very popular at the time. It's but a very proper thing to say, too. I know. I want to <laughs> date with Bo Derek. So Murray's talking about all these Russian spy theories and all this stuff, which is so ironic because the whole point of Eleven was to fight Russian spies and to, and to right, right, right. Russian girl with a shaved head and that Barb was kidnapped <laughs> by Russian spies and all this. It was just really funny. So yeah. It was great. I love Murray and he took a while to grow on me. Obviously you, if you've seen the whole series, you'll like him more in season three, but you first get introduced to him in this episode. And you're just kind of like, who is this whack job? He is coming out of nowhere screaming about Russians and which I don't think it's a spoiler. Like obviously Russians are involved already. We know that, but he's, He's he's right. There are Russians trying to invade Hawkins. So. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah. I really did not think that that was where this show was going to go. No. And, and cause I, you know, all the stuff that we have been talking about, about how the Duffers originally had this idea to make it a cold war thing. I didn't know that going in, you know, it's mm-hmm. only research afterwards that we discovered that, but yeah. Yeah. I was, thought we were just doing straight, you know, monsters. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of monsters, the guy that drives up in the Camaro in the school parking lot, he's never named in this episode. It's not until next really? episode. Yeah. He never, he doesn't have a name yet. I mean, okay. we, know, he, we know he's Billy, so he is Billy, but yeah. So he is never named. And then also Bob never gets his last name until. No, I knew that. Either. Yeah. But, but yeah. did you catch the three girls that were looking at Billy? Yes. When he Carol, got out of the car? Carol and the other two. Yeah. Did you know who the middle one was? No. Do you watch Outer Banks? I'm aware of it, but I haven't watched if it. If any of our listeners watch Outer Banks, that is Sarah Cameron in the middle. She's the main girl in Outer Banks and she's blonde, like completely oh, wow. blonde in Outer Banks. And she has two parts I noticed in this. Uh, she's in the middle and she's talking about his ass and she says, look at it go, which makes me laugh. Right. <laughs> then, <laughs> like it's doing it on its own. <laughs> but then she's the one handing out the flyers to the Halloween party. Oh, Tina's, uh, yeah, come and get sheet faced. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I believe she's Tina. And okay. Outer Banks fans will know her as Sarah Cameron. That's funny. We should back up though, because Nancy and Steve are still together. So we get that. Yeah. Um, Nancy has her new haircut. Yes. Um, so she's lopped off a bunch of her hair and they're they're in the I love you phase. Don't know how long that's been going on. Uh, but they've been dating they are, for but year, you so. can I feel like you got an idea that Nancy felt a little it seemed a little tense or yeah, I don't know it's, what it's kind of kind of friend zoning, kind of platonic y kind of yeah. It, it it did not seem like a oh I love you, Steve, kind of moment. No, you can kind of yeah. see your, you know, Jonathan, she's the one talking to him about definitely has to come to the party on Halloween, blah, blah, right, blah. Yeah. You know, and then Steve swoops her up into this kiss in the hallways, and you can tell she's kind of embarrassed. Right. Yeah. So back to Billy real quick. I just wanted to yeah, read you sorry. this this from the book. So Matt Duffer said, initially, we wanted Steve to be the classic human villain who's so common in the Stephen King books. It's a kind of a King trope that has these, you know, human bullies that are as bad or worse than the supernatural villains in Stephen King books. So once we cast Joe Kiri, it became clear that wasn't going to be Steve. He was so much more likable than we had originally intended Steve to be. So we really wanted a really nasty human antagonist who's also hopefully, like all great villains, wildly charismatic and the kind of villain you love to hate, which, you know, is Billy. So, yeah, I mean, you could tell already he's he's the bad dude, you know, he's and he's, you know, replacing Steve, really, and, you know, in the. In the yes, for sure. So, yeah. He's got a sweet mullet, too. And he drives up to Rocky like a hurricane. I mean, come yeah, on. in his Camaro. Isn't it a Camaro that he's it's driving? A, yeah, it's a 79 Camaro Z28. So, yeah which is a sweet ride, man. So we go into the classroom next uh, with Mr. Clark and he plops the brain down uh, and then introduces Max as the latest person passenger to join their curiosity voyage, which I thought was a great callback to the. He is um, really just riding that, that line out. Yep. Did you catch the kind of Ferris Bueller classroom thing going on with the, the the kids were all kind of jaded looking and kind of sleeping Mm -hmm. and, you know, the Bueller classroom, which I thought was, I thought was kind of a neat little thing. So, uh, and then we go to Melvold's where, uh, Joyce is sewing a Ghostbusters costume for Will, presumably. 
and then Sean Astin enters as Bob. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a great 80s callback. And I mean, they've been referencing Goonies through the whole thing just so actually yeah. get, you know, Goonie number one to, to come be on the show. Well, and then was really great. You know, they reference Lord of the Rings too a lot in season one. Yeah, that's true. The, with Radagast so and, he, and Mirkwood and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And then we go to the pumpkin patch, which is just disgusting. It's real gross. Yeah. And we won't, we won't dwell on this, but it actually, you know, it obviously comes up later in the series. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that when we get there. And then we, you know, we get the whole stop spying on me creeps thing and the letter that, that Max leaves them when she figures out that <laughs> these four boys are obsessed with her for reasons that she doesn't understand. Right. Um, um, and then we get to the lab and then we get Paul Reiser showing up, which was awesome. Alien. And I think, I think this was great casting because I, I, I think if it had been almost anyone else, I would have been a lot less ready to trust him. Yes. Um, but there's just, I which just, is, is funny because Paul Reiser is such a likable dude in right. a lot of his stuff, but then you know, in aliens, he's the, he's the bad guy. Yeah. And he, I'm trying to think, was there anything else that he's the, ba- I don't I know. Mean, like, he's, it's just mad about you and the, and the books he wrote that, you know, I, that, you know, so I, that's where I know him from and, you know, a couple of movies here in the you know, diner and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I was so, you know, but he's got to be a good guy, right? He but can't be something, the guy, you know? yeah. but you're just kind of, he's working with Hawkins lab. Well, so yeah. Cause then he throws out the whole the whole lines that Brenner used to say with, you know, trust me and you got to trust me and, you know, I'm on your side and all this kind of stuff. Though he didn't realize that Reese's pieces don't have chocolate in them. So there, that's a thing, you know, he, they don't No, well, they don't do that. Well, it's peanut butter with a candy shell. He's like, yeah, yeah. Peanut, you know, the good call. Yeah. Good call. Good, good call. But that's obviously, that's an ET e. callback, obviously for that one. Yeah. And then Dustin has teeth now. I know, and he shows them off several times with his yeah. <laughs> these, these pearls. Yeah. These pearly whites. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Anything you want to get to? There's still a bunch of stuff in this episode that we I haven't know. Even talked no, about yet. But... Not really, but I feel like we've talked about so many things already. Did you catch the aliens hat tip when he cut when Owens he walks in and the guy's suiting up to go in? And doesn't he say it? Looks like another hot one, boys, or oh yeah, yeah, something like that. And then they burn the hell. And yeah, that was a bit of a shock that the whole rift is like not well, not not gone, but has in fact gotten bigger. And then right, they, and they've built up. They've got like doors and stuff down there. And yeah, they've built up the whole lab area. So that was crazy. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we, so. we should we should mention the whole dinner table conversation with the Wheelers and Ted. And you know that actually marks an important like point for nancy too go in with yours and i'll catch up oh, with I, I just ted's little line about you know how if if i you know it's strike 20 oh and, yeah, and yeah yeah you wouldn't even be the coach you wouldn't even be on the team because you know he's, on the bench. he's he stole quarters from nancy he cursed yeah. out mr kowalski he plagiarized an essay and he graffitied the bathroom stall everybody graffitis the bathroom stall mom <laughs> oh and that is like if your friends jump off a cliff would you and he's like well he just did well, we did epi- in season one so three episodes ago yeah was- yeah <laughs> actually my moment was the 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 dinner at the hollands oh place, the kentucky fried chicken nancy dinner. Yep. yeah yeah uh that is the point where Nancy stops wearing her little trademark gold necklace oh, that right. she wore right. all through yep. season one. And it kind of signifies Nancy's 
changing from the meek little right you know bookworm who you know does what she's told and all this perfect Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah we meet the hollands after we pass by the whole barb shrine of every photograph every taken ever taken of shannon purser from birth birth through high school yeah um and so we meet mr holland for the first time we hadn't really seen him there was a different actor playing mr holland if you go back and watch the end of holly jolly which is after they find will's body in the quarry and then mike goes running back home and he hugs his mom Mm -hmm. and the hollands are in the background it's a completely different dude and it's not ted so it's a different mr holland but now we get like the mr dursley looking yes he did look like mr dursley (laughs) you know mr dursley you know mr holland which is kind of and then you know obviously nancy is really trying to figure out a way that she can somehow break this to them tell them that you're not getting your daughter back and that's a yeah that's a terrible i can't imagine like how bad that's like she knows that she's dead but she can't tell them that's awful yeah that's really really bad um oh and then the um the Jiffy Pop when um, movie night at the buyers, mm-hmm. you cannot see Jiffy Pop without thinking of Scream, can you? I mean, it's just no, you just can't. No, the kind it. that yeah, the you yeah, put the on little the... popcorn that you put on the stove and it goes, yeah, yeah, they still sell it too. Yeah, that's yeah, oh, it's just it's such a such a Scream callback, which is kind of interesting. And then the little Kenny Rogers line, I love with Bob. I love Kenny Look, Rogers. I love Kenny Rogers. That's <laughs> really good. I do love Kenny Rogers. I don't mind him. Yeah. Lady. Oh, I love him. I like the gambler. <laughs> um, and then Will has the quickest pee in history. Uh, I hate, and I, I, my friend Tyler has this thing. He cannot stand to hear anyone pee. And I swear it's rubbing off on me. I cannot stand to hear anybody pee. And there was like the, a prologue. This one only lasted like three seconds. I'm like, nobody in the Three seconds is- too long. <laughs> and then Will gets the goosebumps on his neck and you can like see them you can also kind of hear them when they it's it's just crazy it reminds me of when in the movie black swan where she starts getting the feathers yeah and you can hear it really creepy it's like i don't like it it was Mm -hmm. uh but then we actually finally see the shadow monster um because we hadn't seen it in the when he had his little episode outside the arcade no um because it was just the red sky, but now we actually see this big, huge creature, monster, big, huge thing, kind of, kind of backlit. And um, this, this shot was used a lot in the promos for season two. Yes, it was, and it's, it was the, I, th- I think the Duffer brothers kind of were moving on, kind of from the Demogorgon, and realized they had to have kind of a bigger. You know, they had to, they just had to up everything. So they had mm-hmm. new characters. They had a bigger well, they monster. Had- they had, you know. And they had that, you know, the one, the main scene from season two that I remember are the four boys on their bikes and they're kind of looking down the road and there's a Hawkins, like Hawkins, you know, a mile, however many miles away it is, like whatever yeah. street sign. And I want to say like, maybe it's, st- it looks like it's worn out or starting to like get, you know, consumed by the upside down. And right. then you can see the, the mind flare shadow monster in the red clouds it was just very apocalyptic looking yeah that's yeah. kind of an iconic iconic thing there too mm-hmm. so and then i also love i didn't i forgot to mention it when you're talking about it in the lab shot when they when they when um owens was talking to will and they kind of zoom out and it kind of transitions into the surveillance video 
mm-hmm. um, shot, which is just, it's just a really neat shot how they kind of, you know, the kind of transitioned. It's the same shot, but it goes from kind of live to, you know, looking through the surveillance camera, which I thought was, which was really neat too. And then we end up at the secret cabin in the woods and Hopper jumping over a tripwire, doing a little secret knock, mm-hmm. which is Morse code for us, which is a cute little tidbit of trivia interestingness. And then it's Elle with hair and they sit there and have their dinner. And Well, she had those she, waffles first. And she got a, a appropriate scolding for doing that, I think, though he was late because it was 815. 815. She was probably H-U-N-G-R-Y. So, you know, I can understand you mm-hmm. know, wanting to eat the waffles first. So, Okay. So unless you have anything else, would you like to do your Colin moment? Sure. Um, it's got to be Dragon's Lair. It, it starts and ends <laughs> with Dragon's Lair, which is the awesomest, most. And this is, this is why I weep for today's children, because they never get to experience stuff like this. And yeah, there's Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto. Not the and all same. This. Not at all. Because Dragon's Lair was so awesome. And I remember going to Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, all the arcades that are in the various malls. And I mean, at one point when I was growing up, believe it or not, I had 7-Elevens on opposite corners of an intersection, like a mile from where I lived. It yeah. Was, it, was, it wasn't long. It was just like for a year or two. So we had not that Dragon's Lair was there, but we had like video games mm-hmm. like on opposite corners. And if you didn't like one, you just went to the other one and, you know, you just yeah. played. But, oh, I just love Dragon's Lair. And we already talked about, you know, Don Bluth and the laser, laser disc and all that. And even though it cost 50 cents, it's still worth I was, it. I was all in on Dragon's well, Lair. So there's just something to say about the excitement of actually going someplace and like getting dropped off by your mom to play video games versus waking up and grabbing the controller next to your bed and right putting a headset on and talking to your friends while you play yeah. call of duty in your pajamas yeah i'll um i'll i'll post that i mentioned the walkthrough the kind yeah. of the, the whole i'll post it up on our on our socials so you guys can see that but it was just it was just really cool so okay on to where in the world is okay so two um two locations this week um one is um not the city of pittsburgh but it took place in pittsburgh so at one point the cops chasing um the punks in the in the van yell into their radios headed down poplar toward me so maine and poplar an intersection in pittsburgh or not those are two very popular street names so I'm going to say that yes, it is a real place in Pittsburgh, PA. No, no, no. absolutely not. Unfortunately. Really? That is, that poplar is not the Street case. has to exist. There's no there's no poplar. Well, there's a poplar court and a poplar avenue. But I actually I called my friend Amy, um, who I went to college with, who was a born and bred Pittsburghian, Pittsburgher person from pittsburgh <laughs> um just to clarify because i did the whole google maps thing i'm like is there mm-hmm. a man in poplar i'm like oh screw this i'm just gonna call amy so i got in touch with amy and i asked her and she said no because there's no real main street downtown pittsburgh there is a main street kind of northeast it's up by the children's hospital but it's not like downtown 
Um, and there's a couple little poplars in various places, but you know, certainly there's say. no there's no main and poplar intersection downtown. But she did say uh, there's a main and poplar intersection in Bethel Park, which is, is kind of a southern suburb of Pittsburgh, but it's a neighborhood. It's like a it's like a community, like a development. And they clearly weren't driving there because they were driving downtown. So unfortunately, there is no main and poplar in Pittsburgh. Location number two, when Will okay. is having his little episode outside of the Palace Arcade, um, you can see across the street, there's a sign and it says Church Street Plaza. It's kind of the across the street from the, you know, it's not really in the distance. It's like right there. Mm-hmm. So Church, Church Street Plaza, real, fake. And if it is real, where is it? Okay. Is it is there a Church Street Plaza anywhere in the world? No, like the the one that they filmed was it a real place? Was it one that they made up for the show? Was it? Oh a- no, that definitely has to be real. I don't feel like they went to the trouble of changing the street names. Well, there is in Douglasville, Georgia, which is where the real Palace Arcade is, even though it's now it's just an abandoned building. But across the street, there's the Church Street Office Park, which they took the sign out of the sign. <laughs> and turned it into Church Street Plaza instead of Church Street Office Park. So if you look now, it says Church Street Office Park. And so they needed to make it look kind of 80s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. So it's Church Street Plaza now. So it's kind of a, kind of a. Yeah. I feel like my homework questions are a lot harder than your (laughs) homework questions. Mine are like random guesses at geography. What is Dustin's last name? Yeah. So. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Here, are you ready homework. For you wanna, are we, we're going to do homework. Are you ready for your homework? You're late again. Yeah, I had to get catch up homework. Did you study? I, I, I studied as much as watching an episode twice can afford me, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Question number one. And for anyone listening, I made these up myself this week, so I'm not even depending on the old Stranger Things unofficial guide by Guy Adams. This is all me. All right. They're very, they're very easy. I figure it's a new season. We should start off with softballs. Okay. So number one, what game is Dustin no longer the top scorer on? Dig Dug and, and Centipede. Good call. Good, good call. Correct. Yes. And Keith hates Dig Dug. He despises it, really. And the Duffers brothers, Duffer brothers don't like it either. Nope. They used it as a foreshadowing yeah. for what's to yeah. come. They just yeah. they just said it, it fits so well in the <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind Dig Dug. No, my dad loved Centipede. My Centipede was my dad's game. He loved Centipede. I don't like Centipede as much as I like Dig Dug. Yeah, I just I never got into Dig Dug. It was kind of slow. You're just kind of digging around and you're blowing stuff up with the little hose. And, yeah, it's just yeah. felt, you know, kind of relaxing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Number two, what is Will's favorite type of candy? Reese's Pieces. Good call. Good, good call. Correct. And it does not have what in it? Chocolate. Correct. Correct. Need to get Dr. Owens on the line. All right. Number three, where did Mad Max move from? California. I don't know where in California, but listen. I'm not you with your geography. With my locations. Yes. <laughs> well, she I'm couldn't okay have come with, from she couldn't with, have come from Monterey because that's where the Castroville Artichoke with, Festival with is. With broad answers. I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> Question number four. What movie do the buyers choose to watch on family movie night 
and why? Uh, well, they watch Mr. Mom and they watch it because Jonathan had brought, was it Jonathan that brought home the three movies? It was Jonathan's night to pick. Right. So Jonathan got like three movies. We never heard what the other two were, but Bob came in and said, oh, hey, Mr. Mom. Awesome. So they watched Mr. Mom because it wasn't a scary movie and he didn't want to watch a scary movie. Bob Newby hates scary movies. He does. So I'm thinking like from here on out, we should probably do my homework first (laughs) because I talked about all four of those things. I know. So we should get, we should do homework first. I think. Before your summary? Before anything. (laughs) I know you went over all of them and and I really did have them before you did that. And then I was like, I don't know. It's just something to think about. Yeah. All right. So let's talk music and I'll blow through these real quick because there are six songs. So yeah. Uh, first one is Whip It by Devo. I say whip it. it whip is it, playing in the arcade um, at the beginning of the episode. Uh, it came out in August of 1980, reached number 14 on the pop charts, and I had the 45, and I played it all the time because I loved it. Song number two is Just Another Day by Oingo Boingo. And that is playing in the, you know, shots of Hawkins in the newspaper and then uh, Hopper showing up at the police station. Uh, so that came out in January of 1986. Oops. But only reached number 85 on the pop charts. Uh, song number three is Talking in Your Sleep by the Romantics. And that was playing in the parking lot when uh, Nancy and Steve are going over his college essay. It came out in September of 1983, so that works, uh, and reached number three on the pop charts. And then that was quickly taken over (laughs) as Billy drives into the parking lot to the tune of Rocky Like a Hurricane by Scorpions. And that came out in February of 1984, uh, reached number 25. And then we have Spooky Movies by Gary Paxton. And that was the one that was playing in the classroom and then um, actually kind of morphed kind of cleverly uh, as the scene shifted from the classroom when Max comes in uh, to uh, Joyce in Melvold's and it's on the radio in Melvold. So it was a nice little blend there. Mm. Um it uh, Gary Paxton did it in 1962, but it uh, was more famous for the 1963 April of 1963 version by Roy Clark. He re-recorded it, uh, and then the last song, oddly, is "Just Another Girl" by Prehistoric Wolves, and that was the one that is playing on the guy's headphones in the lab when the alarm goes off toward the end, and that came out in 2016. So random song by a random like way indie nobody's ever heard of them group that came out in 2016 so i don't know if the Dever brothers have some kind of connection to prehistoric wolves or not or something <laughs> i don't know maybe just, just just kind of strange so and that does it for music so six songs a lot of music in this episode i noticed how much music there was yeah all right let's do superlatives Ooh. okay best line what do you got it's very early in the episode, but it's when Dustin and Dustin's playing Dragon Slayer 
and he can't beat Lucas's Lucas is the current of their group I'm assuming high scorer and his j- remark to Dustin about how Princess Daphne is still his it just cracks me up the way he says it I love it you're just not nimble enough but you'll get there one day but until then Princess Daphne is still mine you know whatever yeah, that's great. I mean, that again, that whole the whole arcade scene. I just loved. I loved everything I about it. So it was really good. So my best line. Um, I could have gone with Ted again because I just again love everything Ted says. Uh, that whole bit with the, it's strike twenty, son. You wouldn't even be on my team. So you're just going to put your son up for adoption because he's yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, okay, so I went with. Um, shortly after that in the arcade when the boys are talking to Keith about who has the high score and Keith wants a date with Nancy and Mike won't uh, prostitute his sister out but then Dustin and Keith have this little exchange no no don't get him the date you know what he's gonna spread his nasty ass rash to your whole family acne isn't a rash and it isn't contagious you prepubescent wasteoid oh I'm a wasteoid yeah okay Prepubescent wasteoid. I love that's <laughs> just a great line. It's just a very 80s line. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, most spirited. Uh I feel like we could just do an entire episode on the arcade because I listed the arcade as my most spirited. It's just the most 80s thing and it brings me so much joy. It, it is very it. joyful. Yeah, I couldn't really do that because I talked about Dragon Slayer as my moment, so I wanted to come up with something different. So I actually, and I remember watching it the first time and seeing it. And then again, when I did all of my rewatches and that's Murray's van that is parked <laughs> out front of the police station, 1986 Toyota van wagon. And that's what Toyota called it. They called it the Toyota van, which is not terribly original because you think of Toyota and the Corolla and, you know, all that. I mean, they, there's some pretty clever names for their cars, but yeah, mm-hmm. Toyota van, which was just a very eighties. I think of, I think of that and I think of the Toyota MR2 as like like kind of the quintessential 80s cars along with the Cabriolet convertible. I think of Joyce's um, car. Oh, the Pinto? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. is so, yeah. and it that yeah. pea green. Yeah. It was so 80s. Yeah. But yeah, the Toyota van, I just loved it. It was just it was just a great paint job. It was just a weird looking car. Um, and they only made it from 84 to 89, but I went, I went with the Toyota van wagon. It was just it's such van a van wagon. <laughs> just so great. Okay. Most stranger thing. I went with the mind flare at the very end in the red clouds and, you know, end of times feelings that it gave me. It was yeah. Just... Yeah. You get the, you get the sense really early on that things are going to be ramped up this season. Well, and season two, just in general, I feel like is the darkest of the three seasons. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of, but oh, it's just, yeah, that was, that, that is a moment. Um, I, I chose the um, flamethrowering of the rift downstairs and how much bigger the rift has gotten. And they're like taking this flamethrower to it. And, it's like they took a vacation. Cause I had in my head that, you know, Brenner's gone. So, okay, everything's nice now. And they've cleaned out everything and, you know, maybe the gates closed and we don't have to worry about this. Stuff uh, they anymore. didn't worry about it for the past, you know, nine months. Oh my Lord. They've been, they've been feeding us a miracle grow too. I don't know. We got like a little <laughs> shop of horrors thing going on. So yeah. Audrey two's down there somewhere. Okay. MVP. Let's wrap it up. All right. Mine is Dustin. I love him. I love how confident he is with his new pearly whites. <laughs> and I 
love just all his little he's he's just coming into his own i feel like yeah um i went a little outside the box and i picked noah schnapp um i don't think that's weird um who plays will but he spent all of last season like not there because mm-hmm. he was you know you know either curled up in the fetal position or you know very early on trying to load a gun or at the end you know lying in a hospital bed but he really got a chance to you know we finally got a chance to see will um and i thought he did some great work i thought his reactions when he was seeing the monster um well the storm outside the arcade and then the monster at his at his house i thought i thought he did great work and this was an episode i was this was the Nobody really stands out. There wasn't really any kind of big moment for anybody. Mm-mm. You know, everybody's no, just kind of, you're just kind of easing back into yeah, it. Yeah. And we we know all these characters by now, so there's no real surprises or anything. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought little Noah Schnapp did a great job as well. So I think Noah Schnapp did a great job. I think his hairstyle, it just looks like he's wearing a hat. Oh, it's, it's just really bad. My wife says that all the time. She's like, he's got the worst hair. I, like, why oh. do they do that to him? I yeah. mean, I guess it's a it's it's pretty 80s, but yeah. Come on, but it's man. so funny when you like see a contemporary picture of him and it's like, the oh, he's adorable. Hair. It's like the opposite. He's done everything he can to do the opposite oh, yes. hair. Just, yeah. Which I would too, certainly. Oh, so. sure. I mean, he, yeah. it has to be a wig, right? Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Must It has must to be. be. Yeah. I, I won't be able to sleep at night if I think yeah. it's not. So. All right. So I think that, boy, that was, that was quite the episode. Yep. It's quite a bit. So. All right. Sorry. It was just a big episode. We had a lot to cover, but as usual, you can always email us if you have any questions or you want to throw in your own superlatives that you want to us to announce on air. You can always email us at scoopsahoypod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials at scoopsahoypod. Uh, Colin takes care of our Twitter. We always post little, you know, like he'll talk about the dragon slayer clip, all of that stuff. and. We'll be back next week with chapter two titled Trick or Treat Freak, which it's a good one. It's a good episode. So we hope you come back. It has something to do with Halloween, I think. I don't know, but I'm getting a feeling that it might. Yes. Yep. I'm thinking maybe those Ghostbusters costumes are going to be used at some point. Oh, that might be it. Yeah. Maybe. So I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.